Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Gateway for awakening. 
not something to get rid of, rather the way we pay attention to self-aversion is actually the ground of the past. about your Zoom meetings <laughs> and you're thinking about the things that you have to do today, but also maybe you're thinking about deeper things within you, things that might be calling you for change, things that are asking you to be a better version of yourself because that's really what you always wanted. I love the meditation that we just heard from Tara Brock on Monique Rhodes' heartbeat, accepting yourself It's really an important facet of our development and our transformation. You know, we constantly ask for change in various levels, but we weren't expecting change to come through the portal of a tragedy or something as devastating as the pandemic that we are all witnessing and being a part of as a collective. And I believe what makes this such a profound time for all of us, all of humanity, is that this isn't missing anyone. Despite your financial situation, your political beliefs, it says you're not immune. I can find you. And we're learning about how we are all interconnected. And I want to speak to those who perhaps might be looking at certain stations that are encouraging coming back out and being a part of the society like it was before. It took one person to begin to spread this virus, which has become a pandemic. It took one person, not five, not ten, not a hundred, not even a thousand. It took one person to make this a pandemic. So sometimes, and this is what I've witnessed, not everyone has the same understanding of our connectivity, of the responsibility of our collectivity. As a result, folks like me and maybe folks like you are making this sacrifice to stay at home. And even though we are okay and even though we don't have a flu or we haven't gotten COVID and we don't know if we're a carrier and that's not the point, but when we go outside, there might be some who don't feel they have that sense of compassion for humanity or empathy for humanity. There's always folks out there who think, 
only of themselves and don't worry about the collective repercussion. So here's what I want to share with all of you. Listen to your governors. Hopefully it's a governor that's not running after the money but is looking at protecting lives. But listen to the health care professionals and do the right thing. Of course, use your discerning abilities. When you go out, have your gloves, have your masks. Yes, nobody likes to do that. Restaurants, nightclubs, sporting venues, people in theater, acting, all of that has changed. Hollywood has changed. The entertainment industry is changing. The whole music industry has changed. So we're going to have to accept that why we're going through this global pause is for a reason. This is no accident because of one person or because of perhaps some scientist doing stuff in this or whatever anyone is saying. This is a global pause for all of humanity to get a reset, to look at themselves authentically, honestly, truthfully, to see themselves as they are, but to also put in the effort to become the folks, the beings, the souls that they can be. Today, our very special guest is Ellen Meredith, and Ellen is the author of The Language Your Body Speaks. She's an intuitive and an energy medicine practitioner with over 35 years of experience. Ellen has served on the faculty of energy medicine pioneer Donna Eden since 2010, and she teaches energy healing techniques all over the world. Today, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Ellen Meredith to America Meditating Radio. Hi, Ellen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Sister Jenna. It's very nice to meet you. How are you doing staying at home? Well, actually, I love it. (laughs) I've been really appreciating the pause, appreciating the chance to stay home and go inward. And many of the things you were saying struck a chord for me. I feel compassion. I spend time each day feeling compassion for the people out there who are either suffering or taking risks. And I thank them. And then I realized that, you know, I'm just one person living my reality. And I believe that there's a big weave of energies that we all co-create. So what I want to do is I want to put the very best energy into that weave, which is celebrating the yin, celebrating the time I can gestate inner truth or inner awareness or quiet or calm And sometimes there's a lot of creativity, and I've noticed that in other people as well, that we're not all just binge-watching television all the time. We're creating new culture that speaks to our very specific, very local experience. And I think that's extremely healthy for the body, mind, and spirit. Mm -hmm. It was always really needed. We were going so fast, competing, bullying, judging. It's just like, come on. Really, and Mother Nature sort of said, oh, you think you can destroy the planet and take me out? Well, watch this. (laughs) Give me a few weeks. I can whip you all into shape. I'm very heartened, though, by all the ways that people are rising to the challenge in positive ways. Sure, there's fear and there's some negative stuff out there, but I notice in the media, all the commercials on television They're much more positive. They're saying, we can do this together. We are all in this together and thanking the people who are stepping up. And and I feel 
all around me. People are finding little ways to help each other and to step up. I'm so heartened by it because, you know, I kind of wanted a little bit of proof that that people cared still. And I think people care very deeply and we're getting a chance to really dip in and say, well, how do I care and what do I want to contribute and how do I want to contribute it? So I think it is kind of sweeping us clean just the way it's sweeping the air clean and letting the wild animals come back and maybe take over some of their territory again. Indeed. And, you know, we are a culture that tends to forget, like when this passes, if it does, the question is, as the observers, are we going to go back to an old but even worse version of ourselves? Are we going to move forward to a better version? So what do you think might be some things that we can do to strengthen our resistance to virus or to even recover once virus has visited? That's a wonderful question. My perception is that it's not just about resisting virus. It is about strengthening the core of who we are. A virus is not a conscious entity. It's a bit of false code. It's a little like a computer program that's got a really nasty little command in it to do things that aren't healthy for the body. But if we have louder commands that are truer to ourselves, the immune system's really capable of wiping out any virus that comes in. One of the reasons I think we're so vulnerable to this one is the body doesn't recognize it, so it lets it in thinking, oh, I don't know what that is, but it's not getting triggered to recognize it and clear it away. But the stronger you have a sense of what your energetic spiritual truth is, the more effective your immune system is. So I just put out an eight-part free class on YouTube, eight videos on energy medicine, self-help tools for enhanced immunity. And one thing I teach in there is to find the note on the musical scale or the color in the spectrum of color or a shape in the spectrum of shape that feels absolutely truest to you right now. And use that to reinforce that kind of internal resonance that is most you. Because the more that you are you, and I don't mean in a personality sense or an ego sense, but the more you are bringing in the note of what you want to contribute to the social weave, both energetically and in terms of actions, the less vulnerable you are to false code. Your body will just say, oh, well, that's not true for me. I don't need to participate in that particular communication. And I really see all of wellness and well-being as a communication activity, not a medical activity per se. Medicine isn't false. It's just not the most useful language for us to use in participating in our own health and well-being. Well, sometimes it just needs some balancing, needs some investment from the spiritual and some investment from the physical Investment with the mind as well. I mean, it's kind of a committee of three, isn't it? Yeah. And I see the body as kind of a creature self. And if we can learn to care for it the way we would an infant we found on our doorstep or our beloved dog or cat, if we can really learn to cultivate a loving relationship with this creature self and train our mind to be in support of our creature self, and also our deeper awareness, sort of bridge those two, and then create openings for the wiser part of ourselves. I mean, it's a spectrum. It's not three separate selves, 
but it's right. different parts of our being. And the more we can sort of figure eight between the different parts of our being, the more we work together as a committee, we can stay very healthy. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to become an energy medicine practitioner. And can you give us an example of how you have used energy medicine to heal oneself? Sure. I became an energy medicine practitioner almost accidentally. I was trained from an early age by inner teachers as an intuitive and a channel. It was something I'd never heard of, so I didn't set out to do that. But I'm a writer. I was a writer, and I was always listening. And a guidance from within started training me and teaching me and eventually said, you're going to get ill, and in the process of recovering, you're going to learn how to be a healer. And that, in fact, happened. I got very sick, and I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, there's nothing I can do for you because what's going on, we don't have a diagnosis for it in medicine. I'm going to send you to an alternative practitioner. And they sent me to a woman who does applied kinesiology. It's a form of chiropractic, but it's rooted in Chinese five-element theory and the meridians and health that is rooted in balance. And in the process of working with that practitioner, I realized I could see my energies, my body's subtle energies. I could see her subtle energies. Did you see it with your two eyes or was it like with your third eye? Or how do I know I'm seeing someone's subtle energies? You know, that's such a great question because I don't believe it is a special psychic power, and it's not really vision. I use the word see, but it comes in every sense you have. It comes through a sensation or feeling. It comes through hearing something, and not just literally hearing something. Every sense we have has an inner part to it. So if I say, what's your mother like? You can picture your mother in your head And she's not there in front of you. Your literal eyes aren't seeing her, but you can see your mother. And if I say, feel someone who really loved you, you can feel into that sensation, even though it's not that person right there hugging you right now. And that's true for all of our senses. So I believe that our best way to perceive our subtle energies is to use our senses, and especially the inner portion of them, inner smell, inner touch, inner taste, the whole thing. And then we have a few extra senses that our culture doesn't recognize, but other cultures do, such as the radar you use when you're walking through a crowd and you don't bump into everyone even though you're not necessarily paying literal attention or strict attention, or the ability to perceive pattern where suddenly your attention's drawn to something because there's a shift in pattern. And direct knowing is another one where you just get a thought out of the blue and can feel like a psychic hit. I can feel like just a random thought, but it's informing you about something you need or I need in order to navigate. So that's what woke up in me is this more three-dimensional inner language. It's an extension of how we function and operate in the world. So it's like just a thought that people are picking up and the thought is a real deep experience that's making it very real. Well, I think it's more than a thought. I think it's a sense perception. I've had clients who will be on my table in my consulting room who will say, oh, I'm smelling dirt or mud right now. I'm smelling earth. And I'll be working on the meridian in their body that relates to the earth element. Or they'll say, oh, I taste this metal in my mouth and we'll be working with their metal elements. I think it's more than a thought. I think the brain is meant to interpret this very complex sense organ of the body, 
and we can train it. And I think meditation is a wonderful way to do it. Vipassana, mindfulness meditation for many, many years. And I just think it's a wonderful way to train the mind to work in concert with the body and the spirit, whatever your model is for that. So it is more than thought. In fact, thought can create illness and thought can interrupt our ability to have this ongoing dialogue. I mean, the body, mind, and spirit communicate constantly using energetic signaling just under the surface of our awareness. And we can tune into it at any moment. I mean, you can ask the listeners, if you're not driving your car, just tune into one part of your body right now and see what sensations are there. Yeah, take one moment and go into whatever body part you're drawn to and just listen. Is it tight? Is it loose? Is it flowing or is there a stoppage in there? Is it quiet or is it loud? Are there sensations of comfort or pain? You know, if it were a color, what color would it be? If it were a flavor, what flavor would be in there? And we can begin to really attune to our physical nature and train our mind to use all its tools, including language, to say, what is this body telling me it needs right now? Let's talk about your book then, because I know that's going to go into it. Your new book, The Language Your Body Speaks. Let us know a little bit about the book, because I know it's interconnected with what you're about to hear, right? Right, absolutely. And the subtitle is Self-Healing with Energy Medicine. So Mm -hmm. it is a book about how to basically activate the built-in owner's manual that we have in our body. We come into this dimension of reality with these bodies And as I was growing up, you know, I had a lot of chronic illness that culminated in 15 years of migraines. And I kept saying, where's the owner's manual? I don't know what to do. And, of course, the doctors didn't really know what to do other than give me medications that often made the headaches worse and more intense. At the very best, they suppressed the headaches, but they also suppressed me. I couldn't really live a life if I was on the medications. So... I was guided, luckily, through this experience of getting ill to something that I call energy dialogue, and I teach it in the book. It's about shifting the questions we ask and shifting the conversation so we can actually participate in self-healing and being well. In our culture, we have a Western medicine is very much about what's wrong and how do I fix it? And that's kind of a central question. I feel bad, I go to the doctor, the doctor tries to figure out what's wrong, and then come up with a medication or a treatment that will fix it. And that kind of begs some other questions, such as what's missing, or what am I doing that's pulling me off my path, or in what ways are the symptoms I'm experiencing really expressions of need, what's needed here that I'm not hearing or not listening to. So the body kind of says, I need something, and I don't listen, like I feel tired, so I start to get a little headache. And I've got a deadline at work, so I just keep pushing. And it says, well, wait, I wanted rest. So it pushes a little harder with maybe a louder headache or a little neck tightness. And I try to stretch my neck for two seconds and ignore it and go on. It just shouts louder and louder. So when it turns into chronic illness, by the time we have a named illness or a named diagnosis, that's a lot of communications that we've missed a lot of shouts from the body or requests from the body, mind or spirit, because they come through the instrument of the body, we've missed a lot. And yet 
when you start dialoguing into what your body is saying, maybe just the way I talked about is, you know, what's the flavor here? What's the color here? What's needed in this part of my body or what's needed by my whole body? We can start to shift the dialogue, shift the conversation, and the body stops screaming and says, aha, finally, you're listening to me. I can show you what I need. And that internal guidance system is golden, but the mind says, I need nutrition, I need this. It has this whole list, a learned list of what the body needs to be healthy. But the body will tell you, right now, I need to go out and walk in the grass. Or right now, I just need to bend over. I don't know why, but I just need to bend over and just like stretch my back out. Or right now, I need to lie down and take a cat nap. Or right now... I need to stretch, and it goes on and on. Ellen, what if it's sporadic? What if, let's say, during the COVID pandemic, you wake up, there's some anxiety. Maybe you have your teleporting, that's fine, but you Mm -hmm. don't really know what to do. So a lot of people are depressed right now, and they're laying in bed all day. They're dragging. Uh Uh-huh. Do you want to listen to the body or do you want to find a strong thought in your consciousness to say, you've got to get up, you've got to find something, you've got to do something? Well, here's the deal. If you had an infant who looked sad, what would you do for her? If it were me, I'd pick her up. I would cuddle her. I would speak to her in loving tones. I might sing a beautiful song for her. I might walk around with her and maybe let her see different things and get a little bit of stimulation. I do what every good parent does, and I kind of go through my list of what might this infant need right now, because if I don't understand the language of her crying or her listlessness, I would be trying through dialogue to help her find what she needs. And it's true that a lot of people are depressed. It's also true that a lot of people are exhausted right now because there's, I call it a miasma, an energetic off-gassing happening as old ways of being die and new ways are being born. And I've talked to a lot of people. I'm still working by phone with clients and speaking to colleagues. There's a lot of fatigue out there, but I think that we can see it as depression. And for some people, it really is, and they need to get help with that. There's helplines and people they can call and spiritual practices that they can do. But there's also a lot of fatigue as if our bodies are saying, stay home, go inward, tune into what's really going on inside and rest. And we're not used to resting as much as our bodies are asking us to, but our bodies are asking us to recover from years and years of overdoing it. And in a lot of spiritual traditions, you have the being and the doing, and, and especially in America and in our Western culture, we do, do, do. You know, that's how we define ourselves through our actions. And the ground of being is rising up saying, okay, time to have some being time, some yin, and to gestate inside us the change that we want to be. So I think there is room for bringing in positive thoughts and strong visions and spiritual practices. I think they're amazing. And if we use them to drown out what the body needs right now, the body will fight that. On the other hand, say you're very thirsty. You don't need to drink five gallons to satisfy that really searing thirst. Sometimes a few sips will do it. 
And once we've satisfied that thirst, we're on to the next communication. And it's not just about bodily needs. It's about what the spirit needs, what the emotions need, what the self that we're constructing through body, mind, and spirit needs in order to thrive. So when I'm taking care of my infant, it's not caretaking so her bodily needs are met exclusively. It's love. It's showing her the glories of being a human being and how to thrive but in terms of where she is developmentally in that moment. And I think we lose that habit when we become verbal, when we become intellectual. We lose the habit of responding to our creature self, and then we're at war with our creature self. And she is depressed or she is suppressed, and she feels ignored, and she acts out in ways that she wouldn't if that dialogue were intact. It's not about being a slave to every emotion or feeling that comes along, it's about really bringing the body into the dialogue and making sure the body gets the memo of what we're trying to accomplish spiritually or with our various personality projects and letting her be the instrument for playing our music. But isn't the soul in charge of the body? Well, certainly the soul expresses through the body, and I would say that both the soul is in charge of the body and the body's in charge of the soul. Because if you're feeling extremely ill, and I know I've had 15 years of daily excruciating pain, it's very hard to really fulfill your soul's purpose beyond, okay, so you showed me this illness, there's some teaching here, but wouldn't my soul rather have an instrument that can play the full spectrum of her potential and not just, oh, my head hurts? And that becomes a very repetitive song after a while to play, to not recognize that the body is an instrument of the soul. I mean, it's my belief. I don't want to put it on anyone else. No, but I'm just asking the questions because I've been doing a lot of Zoom funerals. So when the soul leaves the body, no matter how much the body wants to move, it doesn't. But the soul has moved on. And so many people will say, I can feel the spirit of my mother. I can feel Mm -hmm. the spirit of my father. I look at it from this context that it's definitely still existing. Oh, I think the soul gives us our purpose. And more than that, I don't think every soul is the same. I think each soul is quite unique. So, you know, it comes with different flavors. And if my soul is raspberry and your soul is chocolate, we're going to make very different recipes out of that. We're going to create lives that are expressive of our soul's truth. But we can't do that with an instrument that can't play the music of the soul. I've had so many clients say, I know my soul is beautiful. I can be in touch with her. And yet I can't live that. I spend too much time in pain or too much time in fear or depression or illness. How do I get out of these? And You know those Chinese puzzles, a straw tube, and you stick your fingers in both ends, and you try to pull your fingers out, but you can't? The way you get your fingers out is you push inward, and it releases somehow. Sometimes in order to release into the grandeur of our soul, we have to enter into the specificity of our lived experience, of what the body and mind are doing here and now to create identity, to create a self, to create a physical container or instrument. So it's not ever in denial of the soul. It is creating a better and better instrument 
so that the soul can really express itself in this dimension. Okay, well, I get that. So as we come to a close to our conversation, if someone wants to use energy medicine to heal something, how do they start? Okay, that's a wonderful question. In my book, I talk about using the language of energy directly to speak with energy, and that includes touch, gesture, etc. And our hands are the place to start because they speak energy fluently. So I have an exercise I teach in the book called Healing Hands. And if you take your two hands and you rub them together just to activate the energy, and then you look at your left hand and you say, where on my body do you want to go right now? And without thinking, without thought, just let your hand go there. And then take your other hand and say to that beautiful healing hand, where do you want to go? And let it go there. It hooks up circuits that you may not even know consciously what you're hooking up, but it just speaks to the energies until one of your hands wants to move somewhere else. And you say, okay, where do you want to move? And you move it. And you keep doing that process of asking each hand, do you want to stay where you are? Do you want to move? Until it completes what feels like a whole process. And it's a very simple way to start. The book is full of other ways to use energy to speak to energy. You know, that is the point of the whole book. And it's designed to be kind of a total immersion experience with the language of energy. It's not a book just on theory. We already know how to communicate with our own body. And again, we could take it back to how we communicate with our dog or cat or infant. It's usually not terribly verbal, but we do use everything, color and touch and sound and movement and gesture. It's a very rich, multidimensional language. So as you start to use it, you're going to remember ways you already know it. It is our first language. That's where I'd start is with the hands because they are pretty fluent in speaking energy to the body. Beautiful. Wow. Very informative, Ellen. Is there a website that our listeners can get more information on your work and your book? Yes, absolutely. It's www.ellenmeredith, that's my name, and it's M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H dot com. There's links to the book there. It's available through any bookstore. And if you go to my playroom, there's links to videos, or you could go to YouTube and see my YouTube channel, which is Energy Medicine with Ellen Meredith. And there I have the eight free videos on how to protect yourself and enhance your immunity during this age of pandemic. Beautiful. Ellen Meredith, thank you so very much, and stay safe. You too. Thank you so much for the work you do. It's really beautiful. Take care. All the best. All the best to you. Beautiful, everyone. So now we have some tips on how we can do some self-healing. Believe in the mind and believe in the soul. Believe in the power of your hands. I'm going to try that today. Move my hand around and just reduce some of the tightness in my muscles and just take care of Jen, you know, that physical level. Usually I'm so astral, sort of up there in spiritual thought that there are times that I don't remember the well-being of the body. Hope you liked my chit-chat with Ellen Meredith. Remember her website is Ellen, E-L-L-E-N, Meredith, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H.com for information on her book, The Language Your Body Speaks. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. Remember to pause every hour on the hour for your traffic control and send peace to the self and peace to the world. Here's Inner Light by Lucinda. Where do I go?
Sister Jenna, you've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.